up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 94 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. What's up, man? Welcome back. Yeah, oh, and welcome back to you, if I'm going with Max's thing from last week. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Welcome back hey, welcome. to your own show. Yeah, Thank I you. know. It was so funny. Oh. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, this is the Potscast, LootPots.com's weekly Nintendo podcast, where every week Steve and I get together to talk about all the things going on in the world of Nintendo. Uh, we've got some bangers this week with the return of the Nintendo Treehouse, Pikmin, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. we got some deep dives to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, let me just tell you where you can find us all around the web. Of course, you can head over to LootPots.com if you want to get some additional content from us. You know, we are on YouTube. We are on Twitch. We're actually, we are back live on Twitch. Last Thursday, if you're listening to this, the day that it drops, we came home with our weekly Animal Crossing streams. We are back. We are going to be streaming again this week uh, if all goes according to plan. So if you didn't, if you missed the last one, I hope you'll tune in for this one. If you want to see us jump into some new games, go hit us up on our Discord and let us know what you want to see us play. And while you're over on the Discord, make sure you head over to the Potscast channel where every week we get questions from you fine listeners, uh, just like we did in this week's show for our mail pot segment where uh, you can ask us all your your most burning Nintendo questions and sometimes people sneak in some weird ones about fruit and fruit drinks and we're going to talk about that later. So... (laughs) Aside from that, if you want to get some additional content from us and you want to go above and beyond to show your support, you can, of course, head over to patreon.com slash where every week we also post our Patreon-exclusive show, After Dark, where we get to dive into, you know, pretty much whatever else we feel like talking about. We let the mics roll for another hour. We talk about uh, PlayStation and Xbox sometimes. We talk about our lives, what's going on in them. Uh, we have great stories about... You know, Steve going quadding, all kinds of good stuff. So if you want to get a little bit of extra loot pots in your life every week, uh, just like some of our fine Patreon supporters like that doc guy did, you can head over there, give us that support, get a little bit of extra content, help us keep the mics on. And uh, it's a good time for everybody, really, frankly. So before we get into the news, because I'm really excited to talk about Pikmin 3, uh, let's talk about what we're playing this week. I, uh, I'll kick it off because we talked a little bit last week with Max about Hades, and I had said that I was going to pick it up. Um, unlike the other games I said I was going to play on the last two weeks of this show, I actually went and bought Hades that night, and uh, it's the only, aside from a little bit of dipping into Animal Crossing here and there for the fall update, I've been, like, fucking addicted to Hades. Okay. I, like, I'm so into it. I need to get Hades then, don't I? Yeah. You really do. It's, uh, it's, and I, I don't really historically gravitate towards roguelikes. It's not that I have anything against them, but, um, I, I definitely get bogged down in games where I feel like there's no sense of progression. You know, like I, I am all for a game that has an infinite loop, right? Like I said, I love Animal Crossing. Uh, I've been really happy to get back into Animal Crossing with this fall update, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, but, the games like that need to have a hook for me and it either needs to be like a social element of I'm enjoying playing it with my friends or whatever, or it needs to, you know, like have, have something to keep me on the hook. Otherwise, you know, I, I kind of just feel like I'm just doing the same shit over and over again. And I think Hades has a perfect marriage of the gameplay is so tight and so just fun and smooth and buttery, like, responsive. 
but also, you know, like Max said, there is this story that's progressing and you have this great cast of characters with great voice acting, really charming art style. And, you know, every time you do another run, you see the world progress a little bit more, you know, and you, you, you uh, unlock new stuff in, in the underworld that you can then use to build out your character or, you know, um, like get these other little kind of like story beats. And it, it just does a really good job of kind of like carrot and stick, you know, where like, Every run feels unique and feels worth playing just from a gameplay perspective. But in the same breath, I don't get that upset when I die because it's like, all right, cool. Like I've got all this stuff. I have all this great loot that I can then go and spin and I'm constantly working towards that next thing. Like right now I've been collecting um, this – there's this thing called like darkness, I think it is, that you collect that you can use to like permanently upgrade your character. And I have this upgrade I'm trying to get 500 of them for. So what that's had me do is like every run, you can pick different weapons and some of them you'll get like a darkness bonus as you if you pick it for that specific run. So I've been like going with whatever weapon it's asking me to use so I can farm more darkness. So I'm getting more comfortable with all the other weapons. I'm, you know, like working towards this goal to build out my character. But in the meantime, I'm like achieving all these other little things and checking these other boxes so I can like, uh, build new perks so that when I go for another run, I'm more likely to find health or I'm more likely to, you know, get uh, this specific boon when I, when I need it or whatever. Right. Like there's all these little things that like, I feel like every run, even if it's a bad run, has value, right? And and makes you feel like you're moving forward and getting something that's going to make your next run easier, you know, or that's going to give you that next little character moment or whatever it is. So for me, like, it feels like the perfect formula for what I want out of a roguelike, you know, of of like what I feel like it needs to do to get me in and then keep me on the hook. And like, I, you know, I think I... I've had like I guess like what a week with the game or so since since our last episode and I've already played uh I don't know I want to say like fucking like 15 hours or something like that like maybe maybe 20 like I wow. played it for a solid couple hours every single day um and like I'm staying up late you know like it's it's become like my TV game right now where like whenever I'm doing a run I have like TV on the on in the background and then when I die and I get all the story beats I'm pausing whatever I'm watching so I can upgrade my character and talk to everybody and go through all the dialogue and then get right back to it you know uh, I really so, hope you're watching TV on your own because otherwise Sarah's having a really shitty TV experience for the moment <laughs> yeah I mean she's uh she's playing her own game so it's like not anything that she really is like that invested in you know um I'm watching Arrested Development actually for the first time so I just the first that time. The oh my god, we we need to talk about that on After Dark. Yeah, we can talk about that on After Dark. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it's it's really great. It's it's been uh, a real slump buster for me. Like I had been uh, tweeting about how I had been kind of like bummed since I beat Persona, and I was having that like post game depression of like missing that loop and wanting to be playing something else, but not really wanting to commit to jumping into anything else. And you know, between Hades and Animal Crossing. I have, like, a really, really nice balance right now of Hades as this, like, great arcade story-driven, roguelike experience, and then Animal Crossing has been, like, a nice way to cool down when I'm done with that, you know, and go in and do my dailies. I've been cleaning up the weeds in my town, moving all my flowers around, getting all my candy ready for Halloween, like, doing all the, the stuff I need to do to get ready for, for the stream that we're going to do tonight, and 
and uh, all that stuff. So it, it's been it's been a good week for me with my Switch. Like I'm back I'm back in it playing it every day like I had been historically for the first time. It feels like since Animal Crossing dropped. Good, yeah, I'm glad. It's been a while since I've I've actually spoken to you about a game that's available on Switch, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's good for the good for the show. <laughs> <laughs> No, it definitely sounds so, like Hades is the kind of game that I'm going to be into and and need to pick up at some point. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be yet or if it's going to be one of those ones I come back to. But it kind of feels like a game of the moment, and I really do want to really do want to dig in. It feels like I think a game worth picking up at the very least so that you can like have a conversation with me about it when we get to game of the year. Yeah, because I think it's clearly one of the standout games that came out on Switch this year, for my money. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the games I played this week is also a standout game that's available on Switch. I actually played it on Xbox, full disclosure, because it's on Game Pass. But I am considering buying it again on Switch. I played Carrion this week, uh, which is probably the first Metroidvania I've ever played that I've enjoyed which I think is probably <laughs> high praise, <laughs> considering I've tried stuff like Hollow Knight and it's never really gelled with me. Carrion's like, if you don't know, a precursor kind of to uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, and you play as this uh, mass of, uh, this biomass, um, and the biomass allows you, as you eat people, it expands, and you gain more powers. So as you move throughout the world, you kind of absorb more powers and stuff. So you start off just being able to move around, and then you uh, gain the ability to like bash objects. So later on, it's very much in the Metroidvania um, style that you can go back to certain areas. But there's just something so satisfying about the way uh, Carrion moves throughout the world with his tentacles that like suck onto everything, <laughs> uh, and the powers that you get as you... I've just is a, a slight spoiler, but I've just got the power that um, allows you to take over humans, and you can oh, become cool. that person, and then that person can go and like open levers or shoot other people for you and stuff like that. It's really really cool. There's another power that lets you go invisible, so you can get past laser beams and stuff. Um, and I, I almost played it all the way through in just two settings, so I'm I, I think it's probably a three setting game. I think it's probably about 10 to 15 hours, depending on how much you explore, which for me is the sweet spot in terms of a game I wanted. I just wanted something quick and easy to get into yeah. and just kind of a, a bit of a palate cleanser in between the big games that we've been playing lately. Um, and so Carrion is is high up on my list of potential games of the year this year. That's awesome. I, it's funny. I'm surprised you're so high on it because like... When it came out, I heard a little bit of buzz about it, but the general consensus seemed to be that it was like just all right. So I'm glad mm. to hear that you are digging it because it was definitely a game I was interested in. But um, the lukewarm reception of it kind of turned me off. So it was one of the things where I was like, eh, if 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 I get to it on Game Pass, I'll get to it. You know on what? Game Pass. Yeah, de- you know when you're looking for something that's a little bit smaller on Game Pass, when you're done playing, you know. I don't know, Cyberpunk, when your new Xbox arrives. Do do check it out, because I, I do think it's worth it. And, and potentially people did overlook it by thinking maybe it's a, maybe it's not a, an amazing experience. But I actually... I, I'm actually having a really great time with it. There's just something about every mechanic, from the way he moves to the sound design, in terms of the sound that he makes when he moves and when he attacks people. 
Um, and then there's just the satisfying gameplay mechanic of eating people as this just blob. And it's really, really satisfying to just hear them scream and their bones crunch, which is a really psychotic <laughs> thing to say. But that, in terms of a gameplay mechanic, is actually really fun. It's definitely like a novel idea, too. You know, it's I, I like the idea of like playing the monster. You know, it's, it yeah. seems like a fun conceit. So um, might be one I, I uh, try to kick the tires on later this year when I've got my Xbox in hand. All right, so let's jump into the news. Uh, we're going to kick things off with the biggest story, I think, uh, which is we got a huge, huge deep dive into Pikmin 3 over on the Nintendo Treehouse, uh, which is coming out later this month on October 30th. So we got over 40 minutes of gameplay footage, and they showed off a ton of stuff that um, the the vast majority of which was new. Like, they did show... Um, you know, like a decent portion of like the first level and just kind of like here's how Pikmin 3 works if you haven't played it or if you've never played a Pikmin yeah. game but you know I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this show you're at least familiar with Pikmin and, and what its conceits are so I don't think we need to talk about any of that stuff but in terms of the new stuff they showed off um, we got a look at the stories co-op mode which looks like you can actually just activate it at any time it's like a jump in jump out thing it is. Um, which is really nice so like if you do have you know, a partner or, you know, a friend, uh, you know, a younger sibling or something who you want to show the game or they really want to, like, you know, maybe kick the tires on it with you. Um, You're not kind of limited to that. So you can have them just jump in your save and show it off for fun. And then, you know, there's no real consequence. And you can even do it, like, while you're playing. In the um, presentation they showed, they had activated co-op and then turned it off. Like, it's just like a kind of like a continuous mode that's on or not on while you're playing in any of the game modes from what it seems. So I've been I've been playing some of the demo that they made available and you can just press the plus button and then you click play co-op and then it just gets you to connect to the controller. You can play with a pro controller, uh, two Joy-Cons or a single Joy-Con and then you just hand the second one to, to a friend. And uh, worth calling out on that demo, it's available uh, as of the day of the the treehouse so that, you know, for if you're listening to this on Monday, it's been available for a few days. And um, it is uh, it does save your save. So if you want to pick up and, and start the game, you won't have to replay that opening level or however far you can get. And you also do get a few little perks from it. Uh, you'll unlock the ultra spicy difficulty mode day one rather than making that something you have to unlock. And they talked about that a little bit on the stream where, like, I think the limitations are you can only have 60 Pikmin on the board. And there's, like, a few other modifiers that make the game a little bit tougher. So if you're um, someone like me who enjoyed the first two Pikmin uh, but maybe wants, like, a little bit more of a challenge, it seems like that's a good option. Um, so I might I might try to start on the ultra spicy difficulty and see oh how I no feel way like. I'm starting probably on on hard I think because I've been playing the demo on normal and it's just really easy it's it's yeah. honestly just a a fun chill experience I think when you're playing it on normal mode but hard I guess gives a, a little bit of a puzzle aspect to it I, I don't think I can go to ultra spicy because it's been too many years since I played a Pikmin game so maybe maybe we start on hard and then we evolve to ultra spicy we'll see what we do. Uh, and then uh, there's there, they also said in the tweet about it that there would be, quote, some other perks for, for doing the demo. So you might want to uh, download it and just try it out just so you can claim all that free stuff on day one. Um, but in addition to the co-op stuff, uh, they also showed off um, some new side missions 
that are called side stories. And those are like all brand new content that are kind of like a prequel to Pikmin 3 that show what Olimar and Louie were up to before the main crux of the third game, which I'm pretty sure if memory serves that the, the actual narrative is about going and finding them because they've gone missing. Um, that, that's and, right. Yeah. You've, you've like crash landed on a planet and you're trying to find them. And uh, the the example that they showed off was like a timed mission where it was basically just like a high score mode where you had 12 minutes on the clock and you were tasked with just collecting as much treasure as possible. So it seems like those will be like a nice kind of bite-sized experience if you don't necessarily want to go through like a whole in-game day or something. You could kind of just jump in into something like that and have it be a little bit shorter, which is cool. Um, also, you know, obviously new new content is great. Uh, and then the other big thing was this competitive mode called Bingo Battle, which is a multiplayer one-on-one versus mode where both teams have this bingo card in uh, the center of the screen, and it's like different enemies or fruits or collectibles that you need to get, and you have to like beat the other player to build out your Pikmin team. You start with like four, three or four Pikmin or five Pikmin, and then you have to build out a team and then go and like get you know however many combinations on the bingo board you can get to uh, to beat them out which looks like a really, really fun time. Honestly, a kind of thing you could easily blast out parties and everyone just has a go and pass and the controllers yeah. around. I think it could be really, really fun. Definitely, definitely. So getting a look at all this, I mean, I, uh, I've i made no bones about the fact that I love Pikmin. Like, I'm a big fan of the first two games. Um, not as much of a, a psycho about it as our dearly departed Pixel Par, but, um, you know, I definitely, definitely love Pikmin and... Uh, I've, I've said on the in the past that I never got to play three because it was it came out at a time where I think it was around the time that like something else I was playing on I wanted to play on PS4 came out it was kind of an either or and then it was a game that was really hard to find and that was back when I was really hardcore into buying physical games um, and it just it just kind of missed me you know it, it passed me by and uh, I, it's a game I've really been hoping they would port to Switch. And now that it's finally here and they're adding all this really, really cool looking content, I'm like really jazzed about it. I'm super excited to jump into it when it comes out. Where are you at with it? I, I wasn't so much excited about it until I played the demo. So I watched some of the Treehouse footage and I was a little bit disappointed that the visuals didn't seem like a massive step up from the Wii U version. And I'm not sure why I expected it to be. It really is just a port with some additional content rather than a, a true sequel or a new from engine. From what I understand, it it, uh, it runs in 720p on the dock, which is the same as the, the yeah. quality on the Wii U. So yeah, not and much of, a, of an up-res. There's, there's hardly any up-res, and in terms of seeing some of the assets in menus and things and some of the screenshots and stuff, they're fuzzy on my 4K screen. But I think if I'm going to be playing Pikmin, uh, I probably will end up playing it handheld anyway, so I don't think that's going to be a massive issue. It probably will end up being a TV game, which I think is our new favorite thing on the on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm really enjoying it, and my issues with the visuals aside the gameplay is fantastic it really does feel like a fantastic game my only concern is if you've played this game before i don't know that the new stuff they've demoed the side stories and the the bingo battle i don't think that's enough content for you to pay another 60 dollars full price to come back to the game because ultimately the puzzles are going to be the same you're going to remember how how they they work and but like I don't are necessarily... you because like that game came out like six years ago yeah, I mean, I, I... You know? Yeah. Like, because that's kind of... Like, I, I definitely hear what you're saying, but, like, 
I, just for the sake of argument, right? Like, let's let's see. Uh, so it looks like Pikmin three. It didn't. It really didn't sell that well. Uh, I mean, it was a be- it was the best selling game of the week, but like in in the grand scheme of things, right? Like, it, I don't know how many. I can't find a, a hard number here on how many copies they sold, but you have to imagine that, like, based on how many copies the best selling Wii U game sold, it was like maybe a million people, and that's probably pretty generous. Um, okay, so it looks like it hasn't sold very well at all. In terms of the franchise, that all has not sold very well in its lifetime. It, according to um, video game charts, it sold 5.68 million copies, the entire franchise, including which, Hey Pikmin and some other Wii games. Which, like, isn't terrible. You know, like, I, I think that feels no. skewed by how well things sell on Switch. Because a lot of major Nintendo, quote unquote, major Nintendo franchises have not sold that many copies. We've talked about that with Metroid. There are like a yeah. dozen Metroid games, and it only has a few million copies sold. Um, so that's is what it is, right? So I, I, I guess my my point in bringing that up is the game also came out in 2013. So that is wow, okay. That's a long seven time years ago. So that must my, have been my near, near the launch then. A launch window game. Yeah, it was a launch window game. So my thing is, like, you look at that, and I, what is the Venn diagram of people who played the original and didn't love it? Because I feel like there, there's a huge untapped player base on the Switch that have never touched Pikmin 3 and maybe never touched Pikmin 1 or 2. And, and to be honest, I think that's why they've got a demo. There's probably tons of people who are Nintendo fans. And there there obviously is a massive player base because we know how many consoles the Switch has sold. Something like 60 million right. or something, isn't it? Something like um, that. And then they've only sold less than a tenth of that in terms of the franchise of its lifetime. Right. It looks so, like Pikmin 3 sold about just over a million copies. So you can see why they might have put a demo out in order to to get people interested in the franchise or get people familiar with it if they've never played it before. Right. And and I think for me, I I can't imagine that that 1 million people who bought Pikmin 3, they they were either already Pikmin fans or they were somebody who was hungry for new software on the Wii U, right? And wanted yep. a launch window game. So, if you were one of those people that bought it on a whim, you probably liked it and you probably have fond memories of it and you might be willing to buy it again now because we all know we've done that. We buy games that we like a second time and maybe you don't even really play it, but you bought it because you like the game and you you want to recapture the feeling you had seven years ago when you enjoyed it, right? That happens all the time. Or you're a psycho like Pixel who's going to buy it and play the entire thing all over again because you love Pikmin and you want more Pikmin. And you know what, though? Years. I could see why Pixel would want to get it because he is massively into couch co-op games. And this right. is one of his favorite games of all time that they've they now added, added a couch co-op mode. Yeah. So I think, I think that there is a good amount to appeal to those players that have already played it because it's been seven years since they played it, if they played it at all. And if you haven't played it and you're into Pikmin like me, you're getting a definitively better version than you would have gotten in 2013. And if you're someone like you who doesn't really have any experience with Pikmin, you'll try the demo and probably see that it's tight. So like, I, I, feel, like, I feel like there's a really good chance that this connects and it ends up like putting Pikmin on the map in a way that it hasn't really been ever. 
I hope so. I just don't want it to get overshadowed by Hyrule Warriors coming just around the corner from it and two brand new consoles overshadowing it. There's a lot of stuff coming out in the next month and Pikmin's just one of those things. I think those are things that are definitely going to hurt it. Um, But I also think that like... I don't know. There, There are certain kinds of gamers that... And many of which who listen to the show, right? Who only play Nintendo or who primarily play Nintendo or who have been disappointed in what's been going on with Nintendo this year and not had enough to play, whatever. I think if this game comes out and reviews well, which I'm sure it will, uh, the original reviewed really well. I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to grab people. And I, I think there's a chance that it, if it doesn't have its big, big moment right now, that it's a game that has some evergreen sales potential where it will continue to sell for the next couple months, years, whatever, like all first-party Nintendo stuff tends to do, even the stuff that's not as big, right? Like Mario Tennis Aces is a a game that I think if you ask people, oh, how'd that do? You'd think, oh, that didn't do so well, right? It kind of came and went, sold a couple million copies. So, and granted, it's Mario, it's not Pikmin, but, you know, um, you never know with these things. Yeah, you can literally shove that plumber's face on anything and it will sell. uh, To be, Olimar is Mario, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Louis Luigi. So I'm just saying. Yeah, well, just give him a red hat and a green hat, and then we're all good to go then. We're in. We're in. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, definitely a game I'm looking to pick up. I'm really getting frustrated by like how many good games are coming out in the next like three months when we had such a long drought. And I'm glad we had that drought because it let me play Persona 5 Royal. But, like, fuck. Like, where was this game in the summer, you know? like Yeah, this would have been perfect for the summer. Or, like, early next year. After we're all, like, have the 2020 hangover, it's like, yeah, I could play Pikmin. (laughs) But, like, coming out in October, it's like, I have, like, two weeks to play this before the next-gen consoles come, you know? And, like, I'm already knee-deep in a bunch of stuff. But, anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll definitely have more more impressions and conversations about it to come, I'm sure. I'm going to grab the demo probably this week and we'll see if i get a chance to play it because man am i addicted to hades and i'm way back in on animal crossing so i'm not really looking for stuff to play on switch right now but i'm gonna definitely download it before before the game proper comes so i can get get those fun benefits (laughs) ultra spicy mode yeah ultra spicy mode you know i'm ultra (laughs) spicy uh, <laughs> so we also got another look at uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. We got a 25-minute deep dive uh, where they showed off some new gameplay. We got to see some new features like the Breath of the Wild map being incorporated into the game and like having all these little mini side missions and stuff. It really like gives it the air of, A, feeling like Breath of the Wild, but also feeling like a war map, you know, where it's like there's all these different battles going on that you can go take part in or whatever, which is cool. Uh, they showed off a weapon and armor system that is definitely influenced by Breath of the Wild. It's a lot of familiar stuff. There's some like weapon combinations and stuff. You unlock more armor as you play. They talked about there being this kind of like story element connected to some of them. And the example they gave was that there was like a story in a ha- uh, Hatano. I can't remember how to say it. Hateno Village, uh, where Link like helps a child build a practice dummy. And then that helps you unlock like a new two-handed weapon ability. And so all these little kind of like things where it seems like there's like small story moments and, and opportunities for that stuff, which is cool. And um, they showed off uh, some new like gameplay focused on Urbosa and Zelda and then Impa, who, you know, we haven't really like we knew they were in the game, but we haven't seen that much of any of them in action. So um, I got to say, 
actually watching the gameplay in this and not seeing it in like a super cut, it made me a million times more interested in the game. Yeah, I mean, I had that initial impression and I was like, wow, this actually feels like Breath of the Wild. And I think the problem is I'm champing at the bit for for more Breath of the Wild and I really just want Breath of the Wild too. So much so yeah. that I've been considering replaying Breath of the Wild, which is madness. There's no way I should do that when there's so many games coming out. Uh, but having watched 20, like you keep watching 25 minutes of it, that gameplay begins to feel repetitive to me, which I think is the problem I have with these games. And I yes. don't think I can... I, I don't think it's for me. And and fine if this is your kind of game. I'm really happy for you. But this game, I don't think it's for me. I don't know anymore. Because I had the exact same range of emotions where I started watching it and they were showing off the Urbosa stuff and I was like, this actually looks kind of sick. Like, I might want to play this. And then it's like, okay, there's another big group of enemies. Okay, there's another big group of enemies. Ah. Uh, uh, and I'm like, well, maybe it could be a good TV game. But I'm like, but the whole reason is to play for the story and the aesthetic. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I this was the first moment I've ever had any kind of desire to play it or any kind of inkling towards I might actually enjoy this rather than, uh, you know, I'll watch Sarah play it. So I know she's going to want it and I know she's going to get it. So I'm going to just steal it away and try it. Yeah, see, give, give it like an hour to see if it is as repetitive as it yeah. as we kind of have an inkling it may be. But it could be that there's enough of the story intertwined and scattered throughout. That's kind that of the impression I'm getting. It plays well. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like looking at it is like maybe you won't feel that way in practice because you won't be watching someone jump around to just show you fights, right? Like yeah. it's like the Fire Emblem loop of it all where like you do the battle and then you go back to the the um monastery and you talk to people and you upgrade your characters and then you're back in another but you know what i mean like if there is a good mix of like cutscene, managing my armor doing all those kinds of things i could see that being satisfying i don't know though i'm, I'm really on the fence about it but the fact that i went from being like this game isn't for me i'm never gonna play this to Maybe. This, hey, hang on, yeah. That's but something. I think that genuinely is, if you took the Breath of the Wild style off it and took the Zelda characters out of it, and this was, say, I don't know, uh, what's another Warriors game? Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty yeah, Warriors, but I don't Warriors think that's like a relevant argument. Cause it, cause the it only reason you want to play it is for the story. Yeah. So just watch the story cut. No, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know. Like, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I think it's really a game I just need to get my hands on. I hope they have a demo for this because I think that'll be fun. Yeah, more I hope they do. I don't think useful. they will, though. I don't think they will have a demo. I don't know that they need one, honestly. I think it's going to sell either way just because of what it means to Zelda fans. Yeah. So last uh, news item before we jump into the mail pot. This is just kind of like a, a minor thing, but... Steve and I have both uh, expressed a lot of interest in this game. Uh, the Red Lantern, which is that indie game we've seen a few times now about the dog sled thing where you're like out in the wilderness and you're getting attacked by bears and you're doing yeah. all this stuff. We've been into that since they showed it off the first time. I think like even two weeks ago we talked about it because there was some other game that we mistaked for it. We're like, oh, oh, wait, that's not it. Never mind. Where's the one I want? This is the one. October 22nd. Again, why? Why are you doing this to me right now in October? But it's coming out. <laughs> and in the trailer, uh, it gave us two new details that made me 
uh, like immediately twice as interested in this game. The first of which is that it has a story, like an actual story. I kind of was getting the impression that it was more of like a survival game, which it might no, still I, be. I, no, I thought, I thought it did have a story. I'm sure they just showed something before, which seemed to insinuate it had story. And maybe that's the case, but that was I had that wrong impression, and I'm imagining that if I had that impression, other people Lots probably people thought that did, as well. Yeah. Um, but the big thing for me is that the main character is voiced by Ashley Birch who I've said in the past is my favorite voice actress in games right now. Uh, you would known, know her as, uh, she was Chloe in Life is Strange. Um, she was Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, like so many other characters. But those are probably the two most notable. Um, and I, I, I love she, Ashley Birch. And I, she is like such a great voice actress. And uh, she brings so much character to like every character she plays. So I... Uh, this th- those are two things that immediately are like made it something I'm even more interested than I was already to the point where like I'm gonna pick this up day one and try to burn through it before mm-hmm. other things come and distract me because I imagine it's not that long you know I don't know because it calls itself a roguelite so I don't know if it's ever ends <sighs> mm, Hades ends though <laughs> oh well yeah and it says it's story driven so i would presume there is an ending it's probably an end and then you can keep playing but yeah that's fine i just want to roll credits on it because it looks really good i love dogs i love the wilderness and i love ashley birch it's three out of three i'm ready to go let's go red lantern october 22nd let's get hype <laughs> and this one's exclusive to switch right and the epic game store yeah which is just like i gotta say uh from a business perspective they probably got paid for exclusive ex- exclusivity on both of those platforms, and yeah. it's just like, bravo! Like you can probably <laughs> paid for the game right there. They probably don't need to sell one copy. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm real interested in this game. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I I hope it lives up to our our excitement for it because I know we've both been looking forward to it, and I'm I'm. Uh, I'm down. I'm in the mood for some some like light indie games right now. I've been playing a lot Play of like anything. big meaty stuff this year. Like I want some I want some light shit, you know? I swear I've been telling you about all these indie games I've been playing. You know, Spirit Farah. I wanted Space to play Outlaw. that, but I was playing Persona and I was like, I don't need another game like this right now. You know? Cause it's like basically yeah. the same kind of game where it's like, oh I'll walk around and talk to people it's and like so have, you know, not make the friends. Same, same type of game at all. That stuff you know, is, yeah. though. Oh, let me just elements. pop into a, a palace and break down some horrible, nasty piece of work who's been doing some real seedy shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that aspect in Spirit <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no. There's no defeating uh, evil people who exploit children in Spirit Fair. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, yeah, again, Red Lantern, October 22nd. I know we'll have some first impressions up on that one, too. All right, so jumping into the mail pot, this first one comes from Left Eye Lazy, one of our Patreon supporters over on the Discord, who says, with COVID gaming burnout still a major issue being, sorry, with COVID gaming burnout still a major issue due to being inside so much, what do you think will be the game to spark people's passion for games again? So I've expressed how I, I definitely kind of, not that I was feeling burnt out on games, but just like coming off of Persona, I was feeling like, that emptiness and Hades was that slump buster for me because it was like a nice light palate cleanser. But in terms mm-hmm. of like what I think, you know, uh, left eyes talking about here is like, what is like the, the next big game that's going to capture everybody's imagination in the way that like, 
I think Animal Crossing is probably the the last. Or I guess there's been a few other. Yeah, there's no, been four not. guys. There's been Among there's, Us. Um. Also, uh, you had The Last of Us Two and um, Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, I'm trying to think what else had like a big. Mo- oh, and Final Fantasy. Like those all had big moments this year for sure. And thinking of it through that lens, I think the easy answer in my mind is Cyberpunk. I feel like Cyberpunk is like the biggest, baddest, most expansive game that's coming out. And I think if it lives up to the hype around it and the expectations that I think people have on it, I think that's going to be a really, really heavy game of the year contender and a game that a lot of people fuck with in a, in a big way. Um, but I also think that the next generation consoles are going to do a, a bit, a lot of heavy lifting for that where new hardware always breeds excitement. And I think if you have the new hardware, you're going to be excited to play it. You're going to be excited to try the new stuff that's out. You're going to be excited to have those conversations. And I think if you're not in on it, you're going to be looking over the garden wall, just like, Oh man, I can't wait for that. You know, <laughs> I, I, it, it does inspire that like yeah. childlike sense of excitement when new, when the shiny new hardware comes out and everybody wants to know how do things run? How would UI like what, how's my, Morales, you know, how's bug snacks, whatever. Oh, see, I, do, I, I posted right off off rails for a little bit. I post someone posted a, a video of bug, snacks. of bug snacks on Discord. <laughs> I don't get that game at all. Well, I remember seeing it in that PS5 um, initial video. That they I did. thought it looked so bad in that reveal. It looked like trash, and I don't get it. But I was talking to McCall's sister, who's like, I think she's eleven. When, when we were over there the other day. And she is so excited for this game. And I had no idea she even was into games and she knew it, but somehow she's seen Bug Snacks and she's like really into this game. So it's a meme game. May, maybe it's just that I'm not the demographic for this game at all and it's really, really great. But looking at it, I just can't see it. I really can't see it. I honestly think it will appeal to you if you actually play it. Everything that I've heard about it in terms of like what games it's like and how it plays and what you do in it all sounds like things that appeal to you. I think it's just like, can you get past the fact that the art style doesn't speak to you? Because I don't like the art style either. But the more I've heard about it, the more it sounds like it might actually be something special. But I also could see it playing out like Octodad, which is the other game from the studio where it like has a bunch of hype and it's like a meme game that everyone's talking about. But then it comes out and it's like, yeah, okay, I don't really want to play this for 15 (laughs) hours. You know, like it's funny once or it's funny for a stream or something like, you know, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to land on that spectrum. Yeah. That would be a shame. But going back to going back to Left Eye Lazy's question, I don't know that I've ever really had ga- gaming burnout during the COVID period. Like, I, I really don't I really don't feel that. But I think that could just be because I felt that there hasn't been any games to play. Like it's been since March since there's been a Nintendo game that I've been excited about, which was Animal Crossing. And it yeah. came out at the exact right time. And I burnt that up to maybe June, I think, is when we kind of all dropped off. It was a good mm-hmm. three-month period, and then it was like, okay, I'm done with this. Summer's here, and uh, summer's here, and I don't care about the new season. I- I'm off. I'm I'm done with this game. But since since June, there hasn't really been anything that I've been massively hyped for. And then it was the new consoles, and I I totally agree with you. I think those new consoles are just. Even if you're not getting the new console, the talk of the next generation. Even if you're a PC player, the fact that the games that you're going to be interested in playing aren't held back by consoles that were released in 2013 anymore. You've potentially got all that headroom of games that can 
look as fantastic as as cyberpunk but potentially play at like 60 60 or 120 frames per second and that i think is exciting for everyone uh and the whole ray tracing stuff like i'm really excited about seeing that in action i don't have a pc gaming pc all of this is new to me all of this is exciting and i think that's probably the same boat that a lot of people are in i've seen a lot of pc players kind of um raining on everyone's parade when it comes to it uh, it comes to the new uh, the new generation and that oh well we've kind of had all this already we've already had ray tracing we've already had a super fast ssds why are you guys finally only catching up but i think that pc gaming is is niche compared to gaming as a whole yeah and so I pc do gamers those... who say stuff like that are like literally the most obnoxious people in the world <laughs> So I, I I haven't really really felt it. I mean, the games that are on the lineup that are coming out from Nintendo this for the rest of this year, I don't think there's anything massively exciting there that's going to really be the game of the moment. But I also think that no one expects the game of the moment to be the game of the moment. I don't think Animal Crossing would have been as successful as it was had it not been for lockdown. And I don't think the Fall Guys people ever expected Fall Guys to get as massive as it did. Yeah, no way. Not at all. How could you? All right. So jumping into uh, these next set of questions from Trendy Brendy, uh, at Trendin' Brendan on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, A.K.A. Pixelpar. A.K.A. Pixelpar <laughs> said, in light of Pikmin 3 Deluxe and it's realistic. See, he's asking about Pik- Pikmin. He's obviously Pixelpar. Definitely. Uh, in light of Pikmin 3 Deluxe and it's realistic fruit and juice, what is your favorite fruit beverage? I'm a huge fan of anything apple, but I think hard lemonade takes it from me. I, this is such a silly question, and I love it. What is your favorite fruit juice? <laughs> uh, okay, mine is pineapple juice. I when I was when I when I drank, my favorite drink was Malibu and pineapple. I don't know if you have Malibu. When you drank, you've told me you never drank before. I used to drink when I was a teenager and I was underage. Wow, so you're so. a fucking liar. You've been lying to me for how many episodes, Steve? I haven't drank since I was 18, so in terms of the law, I've never drank, but I definitely did drink Malibu and pineapple oh, sure, before. Sure, sure, sure. Wow, that is... You just dropped the bomb on me. I, just, I don't even know how to move on from that. Uh, okay, fine. I... Lemonade is a is a is a definitely a strong contender for me. I'm a good a big fan of like a good lemonade. Um, I'm not as into it if it's like just like from concentrate or whatever. But if it's like a good like natural yeah, lemonade, yeah, fresh, like that is such a, a nice treat on like a warm summer day. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind with what our lemonade is because it's clear and fizzy, and we call our lemonade is basically Sprite but without the lime. That's our lemonade. Mm, okay, so like mellow yellow. What's mellow yellow? It's like a soda that's like a lemon soda, I think. Yeah, but it's clear, right? No. See, our lemonade is clear. Unless you get something called cloudy lemonade. But it's always fizzy. Always fizzy. That's not normal for us. That's odd to me. (laughs) Uh, I also really like apple juice. Uh, next question from Brendy says, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield expansions are probably over because of the all-in-one cart bundle, but do you think there's a possibility of smaller content updates, mainly adding old Pokemon in the future? And will they then release a Pokemon Sword and Shield Definitive Edition Definitive Edition next year? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I Do I think there's a possibility? Yes. Do I think it's likely? Probably not. Um, I think, I think it's more likely 
that we'll get a new Pokemon game that adds more Pokemon and that the two will be able to interact and you won't be able to pass Pokemon back to Sword and Shield, but whatever Pokemon are from Sword and Shield that aren't necessarily in the main decks of, you know, whatever the next game is, that could be a way to do it. Um, like if it's maybe like a Gen 4 remake, you know, something like that. Um, and then maybe they patch that in. Like those, there's definitely ways that they can do it without it being like co- quote unquote content updates for Sword and Shield that I think are probably more likely because it gives them additional opportunities for monetization. Um, because I don't think that they can like charge us for a pack of new Pokemon and people. You, will you do don't that. think that, that from the company that's charging you to transfer Pokemon from Pokemon Go, you don't think they could charge you? Well, no, I think they could. I don't think people would react to that well. No, um, they would not. Like, I, I certainly wouldn't pay for that, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the latter is more likely. I think it's more likely that you get another set of games that are Gen Four remakes that add more Pokemon to the decks, and then hopefully they play nice with each other. All right, this one comes from our own Chewy Plays, who says, "If you could be any Nintendo console, which one would you be, and why?" Oh, you know I would be a Game Boy because I'm a Game Boy and I was born a Game Boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you know the cu- the the GameCube because I just love the GameCube aesthetic. Uh, it's just perfectly proportioned. It's almost yeah. That's a perfect what you, you perfectly. Box. I, what I want to look like is a square. <laughs> it's a square. Yeah. We just established I'm a square. I don't drink. So, you, know, you are a square. I that's true. That. Right, you also box. you also have that really good handle on your back, so that I can just pick you up, you know, and, yeah. and take you take you for a walk. That'd be great. Uh, and you could get a screen on me and everything. <laughs> Put the Game Boy player on the bottom. <laughs> you know, you're a modular exactly. boy. I can play. I can play all of Pete's games, and also <laughs> <laughs> you can play the original Animal Crossing. So this is the console to be. That's solid. That's solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, also, if I'm a Game Boy, that means I have a nice little donk, which I don't have in real life, so I would, I would like, like, a nice curvier butt, that'd be good. <laughs> That's the only on the Game Boy Color, right? Yes. The original Game Boy was flat, just so you want to specifically be, you specifically want the Game Boy Color. Yeah, I want to be the teal Game Boy Color that I have yeah, yeah. behind me on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so jumping into our main topic, uh, this is one I just wanted to touch on briefly, I thought it was interesting. Uh, there was an article over on Bloomberg this week from Geroid Ready, Reedy, um, called Nintendo Bulls Betting Switch Can Provide Gaming's iPhone Moment. So I thought this was an interesting little article. I'm going to read a bit of, a, of an excerpt from it, and then we can kind of just talk about it. So uh, here, this, this comes from, uh, from Geroid's piece. With Nintendo Co. stock approaching its all-time high, there are some who see the creator of the Super Mario franchise as approaching a pivotal moment that could turn its flagship Switch into a perpetual gaming platform and break free of the industry's traditional boom-bust cycle. While many longtime Nintendo watchers wonder if the high watermark is near, others say that strap in, and like Tesla, Nintendo stock is poised to head to the moon, with some expecting the stock to double, triple, or even rise five times, because shares are up to 30% this year, and Switch sales are up 95% in the first half. Some Nintendo bulls believe the company can transform its 
uh, into one that's able to roll out incremental new platforms while retaining its user base. Hit products like the Wii were often followed by mes- much less successful ones, such as the disastrous Wii U. With each new console, the Kyoto-based gaming company rolled the dice on making the new machine a success, and while it got things right this generation with the Switch, a successor console would have no guarantee of similar sales. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit here... That kind of perpetual platform model already exists. Apple Inc.'s iPhone. Like the smartphone, new versions of the Switch could be backwards compatible with all games released so far while becoming more powerful and feature-rich. This would That would keep customers locked into Nintendo's entertainment ecosystem on top of its exclusive first-party titles while making profits and sales more predictable. And then uh, there were some counterpoints that were laid out, laid out here to consider that I wanted to establish before we jump into this question. While Nintendo has frequently made reference to extending the Switch's uh, lifetime compared to previous consoles, it is not said it is pursuing an Apple-like business model. And whether it could or would even want to pursue this model remains up for debate. One factor for skeptics is that sticking to the Switch could limit the bold hardware innovation Nintendo has relentlessly pursued in its devices. From the Wii's motion controller, to the glasses-free 3D technology of the 3DS, to the portable console innovation of the Switch. So this was just uh, a a kind of op-ed speculative piece. There's no information to support this theory. I don't want to get any uh, misinterpretation out there. But I thought this was an interesting question. And it's one that I I think we've talked about a little bit on After Dark, you know, with kind of the Xbox and what they're doing with the Series X and the Series S. And, you know, there are definitely people speculating there that we could see a more incremental phone-style model from them this generation. I think the idea of... Of, of this kind of iterative process is something that is becoming more and more comfortable to talk about, especially when we saw how it worked this previous generation with the PS4 Pro and the Xbox uh, One X, right? Yeah, so, but, but like, you don't even forget that Nintendo's bought this stunt many times. The original DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, the, the 3DS, the new 3DS... So that's I don't think that's comparable totally. The DS line is the DS to the DS Lite. They're the same console, but it's just improved hardware. They're and to- new features. But there was no new features on the DS Lite. It was just a revised model. It looked nicer. It had a brighter screen. It still the played Eye Game had Boy new games. Features. The Eye had a camera, so that yeah, did have a and new a feature. Web uh, yeah, and a web browser that no one used. Um, that ultimately led to it being hacked. So that was a great idea. Um, great move. <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of the jump see from the DS to the 3DS is more like what they're the, talking the about. The DS to the that's 3DS a, that's a is a generational leap because you can't play the 3DS games backwards, but you could with the DS to the DS Lite. So I kind of see that that's already happened. In terms of this being gaming's pivotal pivotal iPhone moment, I think Xbox is already on that track. You you can see that. With the series, the even the name insinuates that there's going to be more in the series to come, and their plans last for two years, and presumably in two years' time they're planning to have another console. So the people on those payment plans, those all-access payment plans, just go, oh, well, I can just keep paying the same amount per month, and I get an, a brand new console, and I can just sell this one, which people are used to doing with their phones. Right, so... I- I think um, I agree with you on the Xbox point. I don't agree that it's the same strategy that we've talked about with the, 
the iterative process that Nintendo goes through with their hardware, right? That's been true of several things that they've done, right? Obviously, the Game Boy... Um, I think the Game Boy to the Game Boy Color is probably a better example than the DS or even the 3DS because well, yeah, the Game, Game Boy, Boy Color did Game Boy, have... You had Game Boy Pocket, but then in Japan, you also had Game Boy Light and then Game Boy Color. Right, no, but see, you're, you're still cutting me off and, and jumping into this. Those are iterative, iterations of the same hardware. That's not what this is talking about, right? Like the iPhone to the... or you know, uh, We'll say the iPhone... Nine, 9 to 10, right, is, like, it's it's more iterative than it is, like, a hard hardware, yeah. like, split. And I think that's, like, because what we're talking about with the, the Game Boy to the Game Boy Color versus, like, the DS or, or what we've seen in these other examples is, like, the Game Boy Color had, A, new features in the way that it had color, but it also had exclusive software. And that is, I think, the the question that's kind of being posited here is like, could they iterate on the Switch for a few years so that the Switch is this the quote unquote Switch's life cycle is, you know, maybe instead of being five years, it's ten years, and there'll be a Switch Pro this next year, and then maybe the the you know, three years down the line there's another update, and then that Switch will have new games that your original Switch couldn't play. Yeah. You know, but maybe the second one still could. Um, and that is more in line with, like, the iPhone thing, right? Where, like, you update when you're able to. And if you're even remotely up on updating the hardware as it comes, you probably have access to all the software that you'd want to experience. But at a certain point, if you're, you know, um, I don't want to say stingy, but, like, if you're sticking with your your original model and you're not willing to make that upgrade, eventually you get locked out of of what you're able to engage with. Right. And I okay. think So the difference is that in the future is is about the future. So if I bought a brand new, say they brought out the Switch the Switch 2 tomorrow and I bought that, I could play all the games that were released on the Switch 2 up to like 2022 on my original Switch, but then at some point they'll say, "Right, this no longer works with the Switch you bought in 2017." Right, where it's like, now there's the Switch 3, and there will be games on the Switch 3 that don't work on Switch 1. Yeah, but they do work on Switch 2. Right. Okay, I mean, I could see that happening. They're going to have to be very careful with the marketing and with the wording around it if they do that. Like, people are used to that with phones because they've been doing it for for decades now where yeah. you get your We've phone. We've been conditioned that that's yeah. the model. You update it, you download the game, and eventually that game will stop working or your phone will stop getting up free updates. And I think if you can condition people into that when you buy the console, then then fine. But I also think they could use it as a win. Like it could be like, yeah, we're not doing what PlayStation and Microsoft have done, which is a hard cut. You can't play any of the Xbox or PS5 games on PS4, but we're going to let you for the next two years, any game that we release will also work on Nintendo Switch. But then you're going to have to update to Switch 2 or Switch 3 when that comes out. Yeah. And then, right, you stop making the original Switch. Yeah, you stop making it when you start making Switch 2. Or you Which make is, it the cheaper I, model, like that's what Apple do. They they move the, they make the cheaper model, the old model, and then you can buy the the brand new model. As, uh, but that's the more expensive one. Right, and uh, I I don't know how I feel about this because I think there's a part of me that um, bristles at it initially, and it's like ah, I don't really think that'll work. 
But I think that that is maybe me speaking to conventional wisdom, right? It's like, well, that's not how it's worked, so I don't see it working. Whereas I don't, I don't know how true that is because I think that there, there are definitely like you can see the advantages. You can see how it works in other software or um, not software, like other hardware markets or whatever. But like the reality is that like game consoles are not like other pieces of hardware. Right, like, and you could make the argument that it's because gamers have not been conditioned to buy hardware in that way. But I don't know. I think I think that there. I think that when you buy a game console, you look at it as an investment, and I don't feel that way about a cell phone. Right, like to me, I buy a cell phone and I use that phone until I either am entitled to a new upgrade from my provider or until the phone breaks, or until it starts running poorly, right? Like, basically, I buy that with the intention that I'm going to run it into the ground and then replace it with something else. But and I think that's how most like people that. buy phones. No, I disagree. Like, especially iPhone people. I, Apple even has their own iPhone upgrade program where you get a brand new iPhone every single year. It's not even every two years. Yeah, but how many people do that? To. Tons of people. It comes with, like, uh, Apple Care Plus, so you get your insurance on your phone included. You just hand the phone back, and they give you a brand new one. And I think that's ultimately where I th- I kind of see Microsoft are going. It's going to be well, you just keep paying us, and it's one fixed price per month, and you're always going to have the the latest console that plays all the all the big games. And if Nintendo- I, I could see that, and I, maybe it makes sense with what Microsoft's doing because of the way that they have kind of create an ecosystem around the Xbox where, like, you have an account and it moves wherever you want to go and you can just keep moving your library forward and whatever. But, like, I don't know. Like, I know that those things exist exist for smartphones, but I don't think that they're normalized. Like, I – and it's anecdotal, but I don't know anybody who engages in that at all. Like, to me, that seems like the kind of thing that you do if you're, like, a real gearhead or if you're, like, a crazy Apple fanboy or if you're, like, a tech blogger. I don't know mm-hmm. any normal person that is on that and gets a new phone every year. You know, I've, I and I, I don't know anybody who is like that with phones. And I know that there are people, but I don't. I don't think that's the norm, right? I think you look at your smartphone as more of a tool, and it's like a television, right? Where I think that's how people buy televisions generally. You buy There's a hundred percent how everyone buys televisions, but I don't agree that that's how people buy smartphones. I think you see people who use their phone as their primary camera and they always want the latest camera on it and so when the when google announces the new pixel with the super duper night vision camera or whatever the fuck is got they go i'm buying that i want that one even though i just bought a pixel 4 last year i'm now See, I, I don't i don't think 5. there's that many people that do that though really like no, I, I know that, that those people enthusiast. exist in the same way that there are people that will upgrade their pc anytime that they can or they'll upgrade their yeah. television whenever there's a better model but i don't think that's the norm right I think most people, they incrementally update these things as it's convenient or, or cost-effective for them to do so. And I think with game consoles, you buy it and it feels like more of a long-term investment where it's like, I am buying this with the expectation that it will serve me for five to seven years, right? And I, I think that's how a lot of people think. And yeah, and, but I think I think you can easily they can easily go five years if they say we're going to give five years of games to any any of our switches. So twenty twenty three is it? No, twenty twenty two is when they'd have to cut off the original switch. That's yeah. five years of switch, and I think that's a reasonable expectation. Five years for that hardware to to last. To be honest, 
by that point, I would imagine a lot of them are all worn down anyway. Every single Joy-Con by that point will have had drift. So that's something they need to resolve. Um, but I think that's a reasonable expectation. And as long as I think they give enough notice that they announce the new console before they cut off the old one and they, they do it that way, then I think they can keep the Switch name going. But I don't think it will be just the the new Switch. It will have a number in the same way that iPhones have numbers in the same way that Samsungs have numbers. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. It's tough to think about because it's so unprecedented, you know? And it's like, I could see it work, but it, it doesn't... A, I don't know that it's a thing that gamers are going to be willing to adopt. And B, I don't know if it's a thing that Nintendo is going to be willing to do because they're so... I don't know how it, how it is in Japan, though, because obviously they are very handheld-centric over there right. when it comes to phones. That might be a really common thing that everyone has the latest and greatest phone. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think of them as such a conservative company, the idea of them doing something that like is this, I don't know, I guess, quote-unquote, radical for the, <laughs> the space feels odd to me. But I don't know. They also do do weird things like this. And... Um, the article referenced there was like that earnings report from a while ago where they said that their next console was coming in 20XX, not 20, uh, 21, not 20, 20X, yeah. right? So people were like, oh, could that mean that the Switch brand will extend until, you know, the next decade or something like that? Do you that? know what I really hope it does? It's such a know. strong brand. And, and I know they, they really messed it up with the Wii to the Wii U and not getting it clear that they weren't at all into like in at all compatible with one another you couldn't play wii games on a wii if they do keep the switch name they need to tread carefully among that minefield because they don't want to end up with that situation again yeah yeah i think it definitely presents i think it presents just as many marketing challenges as it does advantages uh but we've talked in the past about how i don't ever want them to go back Right, like I want every console they make from now on to have the same functionality as the Switch. Period. Like I want every Nintendo console to be a modular console, and if it's not, I think that will be a mistake. So maybe that influences that decision too, where they're like, you know, what? we cracked the code. Like this is the way, and we just keep iterating on the design and the style and and do new things with it. You know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But uh, definitely a fun question and a fun article. So uh, I, I do encourage those of you who are interested in the idea to go give it a read. Uh, shout out again to uh, Geroid Rady over at Bloomberg. Uh, Nintendo Bulls betting switch can provide gaming's iPhone moment. Uh, my money's on Microsoft for it, but we'll Mine see what happens. Too. I'm interested to see where it goes. So with that, it's going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Remember, we are back on twitch.tv slash We streamed some Animal Crossing last week. We'll probably be back with some more of it this week. I hope you'll come join us. I hope you'll come check it out. And uh, remember, if you've, got, uh, Twi- if you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Twitch Prime. So go give us those subs because it helps keep the lights on. And of course, if you want to go and support us in the other ways that you can do that, you can go head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash and join us for After Dark, our Patreon-exclusive show that we're going to be rolling into right now.